The Boldly Now Show, Burning Desire, Big Ideas, Bold Action. Hi, and welcome to The Boldly Now Show. I'm Michael Sean Conaway. And I'm Rachel Morrison. And today we're going to be discussing planetary intelligence. Planetary intelligence in terms of a thriving future for humanity. Standing out, looking back, we have a, a much better chance of having real intelligence. Uh, intelligence that takes into account more than just our current circumstances. And as we know right now, uh, the current circumstances in the world lead us to believe that uh, everything's broken and our future is likely to be not so great. Uh, we at Boldly Now actually have a difference in opinion with that. Uh, we believe that together, uh, collectively, as in collective intelligence, we can generate a thriving future for humanity. Uh, the first thing to think about in regards to that and the things that we want you guys to take into this conversation is really how we experience the world today is framed and shaped by our view of what everything means or the causality of mm -hmm. meaning. So in what context are we looking at today's circumstances? And that's a, a really great place to start. Um, so for me, I look at if, uh, if I'm looking out in the world and I'm seeing things that are broken, I'm seeing the pandemic, uh, systemic racism, uh, obviously big problems with um, you know, political division uh, and divisiveness of all kinds, I might be tempted to look out into the future and say, wow, if we don't handle these really near-term problems, things are probably going to get worse. Um, and in fact, there's lots of people that will tell us all the things that are going wrong. And, and if you look at news media today, you're probably overwhelmed by the number of things that are going wrong. Given that we live inside of the context uh, of our lives or the story of our lives, what might be a different way to look at the world that might give us a little bit more power and agency in that? I'll throw that one to you, Rachel. Well, there's lots of things that we can look at in the world. And for starters, I think it's how we perceive the world mm -hmm. as something separate than ourselves. Now is the time where we get to actually transcend our current view of the world mm -hmm. and realize that as a collective, for the first time possibly in the history of time, since we have the, as uh, Aguero's would say, the newosphere aware of itself, here we are all having the same conversation together, that we have the ability to understand fully for the first time at the same time that we are not separate from the world that we are shifting into. The world itself is not separate from us. We are not separate from it, nor are we separate from each other or anything that exists in it. And from that place, we can open up into a space of universal intelligence that allows us to create and become exponentially exceptional together. Right, and I like what you said about together. I was, um, I was on a call today and somebody said, yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've hit peak individuation. It's like, oh, I have, we have striven so long to define ourselves individually as separate from other different from other, and in most cases, more special than other in one way or another, um, or our, our group is more special or has access to more information or the right information, the right view. And, and we really have hit a point where, um, you know, when we talk about divisiveness, who is being divisive? Well, we're being divisive. We are separating ourselves from others. Um, and the, um, 
you know, the, the, the tick, tick, not Han quote, I, I transform the garbage in myself so that you live in a beautiful world, uh, really comes to mind. So anytime we see something out in the, 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 the world, we have to look around and think, wow, what, what is it that I am manifesting in this moment? And how is it that I'm rejecting something that I don't like or don't believe in? Um, now, that, you know, this is all common ground. We've, you, know, you guys have been through this. You have a, a deep understanding of this, I think, in many ways. But the kind of special aspect that I'd like to bring to this is, is when we begin to think beyond our lifetimes and we begin to think of the human beings uh, and the other species on the planet, uh, and the planet itself, what are we leaving behind in time? It gives us a little bit of access to thinking about and being for uh, something beyond ourselves and beyond our lifetime. And that gives us that sense of like, oh, we can consider it all as one thing. I don't actually have to deal with uh, whatever my common day-to-day -day stresses are. I don't have to deal with uh, what's gonna happen next fall. Our school is going to open. Am I going to be able to, to, to have my business be successful? And I'm able to start to go, okay, so all that got handled some way or another. And my life turned out as it turned out. And, and my time came to an end. What is left behind? And uh, I, I think our indigenous elders often talk about, you know, the impact of generations. Um, but it's not a practice we do very much. Um, we, we can think about our kids sometimes and maybe our grandkids, especially if we have them at this point. But um, we don't tend to think of our descendants as something that is here now, that is something mm -hmm. that we actually are together uh, as one through time. And therefore, we don't have much access to A, you know, what kinds of responsibilities come with that, and B, what kind of freedom we can get from the conditions of our and conditions and constraints of our own life, free to dream of what might constitute thriving, uh, what might constitute health for the planet or health for other species. Uh, instead, we try to dream inside of the container we're in. Well, like I could have, th I would be for thriving of, of uh, a certain ecosystem if I didn't have to suffer because of it. Or I would be for the thriving of this species or that species, but uh, actually that impacts my world. And so we get constrained by thinking, oh, if, if the world's going to thrive, I'm not going to thrive. If we can get out beyond that, then we can actually get beyond the constraint. Look, we don't want to imagine and design a future in a world for our own limitations. We want to design beyond the limitations. We want to dream into um, our best expression. And I don't mean our best expression, those of you who are uh, listening to this show, but I do mean all beings, 100% of life. Absolutely. And from that perspective, I want to bring in something that is very boldly now. And you mentioned prophecy, indigenous prophecy. Mm. And I don't know if you've heard or not, but this past week, the North Dakota pipeline was ordered to be shut down. And for many of us in the Unify family, that was a very important time of um, remembering and um, bringing things into focus. Most importantly, because we're talking about the boldly now and the aspect of prophecy and the ancient wisdom that we're bringing forward into the world, yeah. uh, there was two prophecies of that time that I believe that we're living out today, that of the black snake and that of the seven generations. Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, there was something really interesting that was said that if the water turned black, in that particular area, then the world would become sick. Mm. 
That's the first piece. The second piece is that the seven generations were going to come together of many colors and take full responsibility of the world that they were going to create moving forward. Mm. That's the synopsis of that time. And so there's a unique opportunity that we have here to live into the prophecies that actually create a generative future as opposed to a predictive future yeah. that many of us um, assume is going to happen. A friend of mine sent me an article just the other day saying something along the lines that by a certain amount of time in the very near future we'd be lucky to have jellyfish here and I'm not one to subscribe to a reality where that's being created right. because we here in this collective that I think we're all tuning into um, and building the substance to create um, the universal communication technology of biospheric consciousness and biospheric awareness. And biospheric awareness was a, a term that was originally coined by the economist Jeremy Rifkin in understanding how to revalue systems for the planet. And the evolution of that is to understand that we, as a species who has the ability to differentiate, right, that's how we experience the extreme levels of isolation and indifference that we have in the world today, um, have the ability to speak to the unifying principles just as much as we have to speak to the principles that the divide us. Hmm. And so to understand how to use biospheric communication technology from the ancient future really means that we're choosing to embody all of the life on this planet that has and does not have a voice. So the trees, the water, the animals, the children, anything that is here now, and the shoulders of whom we stand on, and the future we choose to orient ourselves to, allowing our small self to step aside for a moment and let the wisdom and the will of all of that that I just spoke to, to be the voice that animates this body in this moment, quite possibly the way that Mark Sims earlier was speaking about how his experience of communication uh, can, can come through. We all have an ability to do that in a very unique way. And imagine what, we, what, what could happen if we all did that together mm. in one room or in one UN floor or in one Congress congregation and the list could go on and on but I think very soon in this moment and in the moments building up to the great meditation that we're going to have coming up later in the week that we will have an ability to step into that and realize what could happen from the collective experience and I just want to point out something and I'm going to I'll make a very good example of this you know what we're what what Rachel's talking about is is not woo-woo it's not that that you know that we need to um, uh, you know connect uh, in, in some kind of etheric way. We actually need to actually connect, like speaking, like drawings, like looking at at impacts of things. And and I think uh, the North Dakota Access Pipeline is a great example. Um, you know, the, the right now we we as a uh, North American uh, collective of people have not dealt with our, our dependency on uh, petroleum-based products. Now, we, we make an unchoice choice. 
So we use a lot of plastic. Where does plastic come from? It comes to oil. So we use, uh, we, we buy things that are disposable, or even things that we don't need. And where does that come from? Where does that manufacturing process, where does the energy come from? Where it comes from oil. So you know, we create an environment in which we need a lot of oil, um, not just for energy, but for, for creating the materials we're using. Um, now, do we do that consciously or do we do that out of a, a desiring space or a, you know, a hungry ghost body? I think it's mostly out of that. I don't think we're really conscious about the way we use things. And I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't make computers. Yeah, computers are really handy. I'm sure this camera in front of us has parts made up out of petroleum, all very, very good. Um, but we shouldn't be using that lightly. It is a, 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 if you will, a magical alchemical process to, to create these objects, and it should be done with some reverence and respect. Um, and so then, then okay, so we have we have a lack of responsibility about oil, and then we have uh, uh, we have then a political system that um, really favors um, you know white culture, and I'll say it very plainly, white uh, male culture, really, really clearly. And so why did uh, the pipeline go through uh, that, ex that area of, of North Dakota is because they had the people with the least amount of power um, were in the, the way. Now, does that make sense given the system we have? Yeah, it makes sense. Is it tragic? Yes, it's tragic. Um, but the, the solution here is not just to say, okay, no pipeline, uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, no more, no more, you know, no more power. <laughs> Like, we're all going to just be, be chill on the land. No, actually, we have to take responsibility like grown-up adults. We have to have conversations. And, and what we would say at Boldly now, we have to have conversations for a future, mm -hmm. a collective future, um, where the indigenous people, the Lakota uh, from, from North Dakota and South Dakota, which is impacted by this, um, have a, a, a seat at the table. And their prophecies and their wisdom has a seat at the table. And, uh, and the, the executives who... Uh, you know, are in the business of oil need to have a seat at the table. And so are the people who, uh, like us who might be consuming the projects, products of that. Uh, but, and so a lot of this, you know, can be very, very practical. We just don't do it. We tend to like to do this thing called they're good, we're, we're, we're good, they're bad, mm -hmm. uh, vilify the other person's point of view, and, and actually not make progress in understanding that we have to evolve these systems. Um, what would a post-world, uh, post-petroleum-based world look like tomorrow if we shut off all the petroleum? Well, it would probably mean that some really, really strange things would happen. We are not at all prepared for a post-world uh, uh, petroleum world. Uh, and in fact, we may not even want a completely post-petroleum world. I don't know where we lie on that. But what we have to do first, instead of um, uh, have these divisive conversations, is to decide, well, what do we want in our world? Like, how much do we want to be able to travel around? Or how much stuff do we want that's disposable? Mm -hmm. How much energy, time and energy should we pay, make towards things that are more lasting and permanent? Or how are we going to use the resources of the earth? Who gets access to the natural resources of the earth? Who gets to manage and care for that? How do we make collective decision making? These <laughs> things take a lot of work. And um, we believe that the first place to start that work is to, to look at what would the results of doing that work be like? What would the world be like if we reinvented uh, our fuel technologies? What would the world be like if we gave uh, indigenous wisdom a seat at the table? If we gave uh, 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 people of color uh, equal access to power and money and a say? What would it look like? How would that function? And until we can imagine that, it's really, really hard to start taking actions to having that happen. 
What that reminds me of is the importance of building bridges as opposed to creating walls. And how when we're able to do that, we can transcend um, the experience of knowing that we are going to need an intelligent planetary system to get us to the next level. But most importantly, we're going to need a planetary system that reveres wisdom where it's not solely relying on quantifications mm. and different ways of um, identifying insufficiencies mm. because I feel like the future cannot be usurped. It must be benevolently co-created mm. for us to all come together and nor can the future come from uh, revering or vilifying the past in mm. any way yeah. and realize that what's happened up until this point, no matter how drastic or how amazing you think the experience has been, needs to come into a neutral place of understanding so that we can actually experience the observation of what has happened to all step into reality together. And what I'm saying is that we have an opportunity to take all of our world view perspectives and have this like a quantum smushing of all of our world perspectives. <laughs> I'm not going to get too technical on it, but it's 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 true like because we can be in the same place. Yeah. Right here right now and be in two separate worlds. That's right. Completely. But how amazing could it be if our worlds began to collide and created a true vortex right. for us to create a real reality together where it was more seamless than rigid and jagged. Right. Well, and that starts right here at me, right? If I see the world in very fixed ways, uh, this is this and that is that, and Rachel's over there and I'm over here, and uh, you know, uh, I own a car and my car is blue, and you know, like all these, these small little things that build up to this rigid point of view in the world, and uh, hey, you know, I got, I have the things I have because I worked hard, or whatever my story is about, or I don't have anything because I was never given a chance, or whatever that story is, it's our attachment to those things. Uh, that makes it hard for our worlds to, to emerge is not the right word, but to kind of infiltrate each other so that mm -hmm. I actually get a sense or a feeling yeah. of your world. And I want to make a, I'm going to make a point here. Um, you know, trauma has to be healed. So if you have trauma uh, uh, and that goes for individual trauma, collective trauma, cultural trauma, um, obviously our, our indigenous peoples in this uh, in the country, of the United States have. Uh, you know, some traumas from the perpetration uh, of, of the past. Uh, obviously, our, uh, our black brothers and sisters have trauma uh, and they have injustice both in both cases it needs to be righted. So there's work to be done to get to the point where we actually have the capacity to let loose uh, and trauma work is really important and we're not saying it's not. Um, but what we are saying is there's something beyond trauma work. There's something beyond restoration. There's something even beyond uh, regeneration. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of our, our friends are deep in the work of regeneration for the planet. We, we believe that the step beyond that is generation, imagining something new, mm -hmm. imagining uh, a new <coughs> world for all of us. And um, uh, we're going to get on to the second half of our topic here in a second. But So planetary is important. But there is a planetary uh, capacity to communicate, to share worlds, mm -hmm. to be inside of each other's worlds. Uh, and then at, at Boldly Now, we'd say also say there's some really necessary ingredients for our future that we really have to get clear on. Uh, one is that humanity needs to be a net positive to the planet. Uh, we have to be able to stand for clean air, clean water, 
uh, increasing biodiversity, not decreasing biodiversity on the planet, uh, increasing richness of our topsoil. If we can get those things right as metrics, um, the rest of the future we invent is actually going to work out pretty well for the planet at least. And then the second thing we really think is on a, on a planetary level is that uh, we really have to take care of some basic human rights for human beings. And I don't just mean um, uh, rights like my, my, uh, my liberty type rights, freedom, not no slavery, things like that. I actually mean that, that I actually have right to um, a safe place to live in, uh, to clean water to drink, to good and nourishing foods, uh, foods brought from the land that actually nourish my body instead of take things from it. Um, and I have to be given um, the right to give my gifts on this planet, to actually do uh, what makes me come alive, to get, make my contribution. So we kind of have these two worlds that we really feel are fundamental to a future. One has to do with the planet and humanity being a net positive, and the other has to do with humanity and how we can provide this safe space for human beings to be humans. And then anything else outside of that, we really feel needs to um, be dealt with on a very local level, in fact, a, a hyper-local level. So we have planetary and we have hyper-local. Let's, let's mm -hmm. talk about hyper-local for a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think one of the most important pieces of hyper-local in regards to this world smush as we call it yeah. in this amazing scientifically new term that we've just created <laughs> is that you actually identify this smushing uh, from the aspect of looking at it with a semi-permeable membrane, right. meaning that it, things can easily be interchangeable and interoperable within that system. So they're not um, stacked on top of each other in a um, solidified way, but they become more, more gel-like with each other so that the best of humanity, mm -hmm. the best of our intelligence, and the best of our wisdom can actually share freely within that uh, communication and in that conversation and in that dialogue that I think we're going to have to take very earnestly from this point into the next definite 10 years and even so on and so forth beyond that because we're really going to need to have our ability to hear each other from a hyper local space and know truly what a person needs in each watershed region mm. or bio region and not assume what we think people in the Amazon need if we've never been there and had any communication with anyone there. I remember a story from when I was visiting over there that one of the locals was telling me about how somebody came in and purchased uh, homes that thought that they needed homes right. for the place and so they made uh, basically tin homes for a lot of the indigenous people to live in but what they didn't know is that the materials that they were using to make the homes that they already had was the thing that they needed given the heat and humidity and every one of those homes essentially became trash because they became ovens Right. And so without understanding the place that you're actually in, you can't assume you know what a group of mm. people need without a, an, a moment of connection. Right. Right. And then an intelligent way to reverse engineer and redistribute that information into a practical, meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and our friends over at The Hunger Project um, have been doing a lot of community development based upon coming in and not bringing, they don't, they don't, they don't, 
bring a project to a, a, a community. They, first of all, they bring a conversation to the women. Um, they enroll the women in a conversation of, well, what's important to your village or what's important to your local area? And if you guys were to come together to dream up something new, what would that be? Um, and, and so just notice the power of inquiry. Um, so there's, there's kind of a, a mindset that has you know, kind of fueled colonialism from, from the very beginning of time, which is a knower mindset. I know what indigenous people in southeastern New Mexico need. I know what the indigenous people in California need. So I'm, as, as the patriarch, I'm going to come in and give that to them. Wow, what a huge mistake that was, right? And, and you know, if you look at, you know, kind of thousands of years of that, that a belief that I know, that I know better than, and how much damage that's caused, versus if you step into the world of inquiry, inquiry always ends with a question mark. It's a learner mentality. It's a, I don't know, but I'm here to help, to be a gift, to be a stand for whatever you need. I'm here to, to be of service. And ultimately that inquiry may turn out to be, we don't need you. <laughs> Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your time. And, and, that's, and that's, that's a super valid thing for maybe a, a community to come to their own sovereignty and say, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for your help, but we don't need your help. Um, so I think, I think one of the things is we start looking to a future, we're not talking about creating a colonial future. We don't want a future. In fact, um, uh, the, uh, the, the parent body of Boldy Now is called the Generative Futures Initiative. Not future, mm -hmm. but futures, because there are many different futures, and many of those futures are hyper-local. And I, we believe that in 100,000 years, there could be even more diversity of culture and tradition than we have certainly now, and maybe in a way a restoration of local culture and tradition. <laughs> You know, the, the drive, um, especially from uh, uh, the colonialization of the Americas, was to, you know, drive towards a Christianization, uh, uh, a Western Christianization of the world, and a single worldview. Um, you know, so we have monotheism, but we also have monoculturalism that, that did a lot of that oppression. So what is the opposite of that? Well, we think hyper-localization has a big part to do in that. It's, it's really what is the right fit for this ecology, for this spot on the planet, for these people who reside here together. Um, and I want to make sure not lead the nomads out who don't actually live in a single place, uh, that maybe live all over the planet, that, that they too have a, a role to play in these, uh, in these conversations. That being said, a lot of these kind of planetary communication technologies, the ability to have a care and concern for the global commons and for humanity mm -hmm. and not and yet at the same time not have a single vision of what that might look like anywhere you go and that's a that's a that's a that's a tightrope that's a a, a balancing act uh, and one that humanity has not been very good at and one that we believe and boldly now is, is a big stand for this in in education and programs to help us to learn to be very, very good stewards of both the planetary and the hyperlocal. Avaton, one of the things yep. that you said about uh, sovereignty and saying, no thanks, we don't need your help. However, we would be happy to engage with you mm. in an exploratory conversation of what working together could look like. Right. Right, because we're here in the process to, and we're in the magic of building bridges because I know that 
what's coming up next, mm. we are going to need all hands on deck. Mm. And this conversation that we're having this week quite possibly could open us up to the possibility that more help that we um, may have not always believed in mm. could be on its way if we allowed it to come through us, not some you know spaceship that's going to land on the White House or, or something like that, yeah. but allow universal intelligence to actually come through us in a new way mm. Mm. that allows us to get to the places that you just spoke to. Mm. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, do you mind if I geek out a little bit? I'm going to wax. Oh, no. <laughs> no, go leave this in. We're not cutting. I want, I'm just like, you know, like uh, I, I think of uh, the work done by Gene Roddenberry and, and uh, mm. Star Trek. And, you know, I, we just spoke about anti-colonialism and, and the prime directive of the uh, Next Generation uh, Star Trek series um, was clear to not interfere in cultures, right? To yeah. observe and to exchange, but not to interfere. So a mm -hmm. non-interference uh, policy and we wish we had had that during the age of colonialization for sure we would have had so many mm -hmm. treasures uh, uh, held for future generations on this planet but if I think about you know like so I've been a science fiction and a, a space fanatic since I was very very young and in fact my obsession with with future ge uh, um, generative futurism really comes from the same place when I think about it um, you know I've always wanted to meet uh, uh, alien intelligences and have that kind of level of exchange and and really you know you know maybe up until this point in my life if I could you know go explore the universe I'd certainly want to do that um, and I want I think there's something really important about that in the sense that you know we we have been the aliens on this planet in many cases um, mm -hmm. especially the white culture who, who spread across the planet. We, we were the aliens. And so I think a lot of our tropes of fears about uh, extraterrestrial life come from that. And, uh, and certainly um, we have something to learn about ourselves in contemplating intelligent life off the planet um, that may be as important as actually discovering <coughs> intelligent life off the planet. And that is that, that you know, we not only exist in an earthbound ecology, we actually exist in a, a universal bound ecology, mm -hmm. at least in our known universe, the universe that we can see in of our, our inside of our light cone uh, of the universe that we know led back to some kind of singularity. You know, there's something to say for um, the amazing emergence of consciousness, of self-awareness mm -hmm. here on this planet. And uh, something uh, of deep and profound reverence for the improbable conditions that led to us to be able to have this conversation today. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've just gone from Star Trek to, um, you know, you know co cosmic consciousness or, or collective consciousness in one, one, uh, one bound. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I really, I think the, the, you know, the kind of reverence for life and all life. Uh, maybe one of the most important human values that we can um, we can grow and maintain, and especially hand down to future generations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I'm I'm hearing the words of a, of a dear friend, where she said that um, we are ready to have close encounters of our own kind <laughs> with our own kind, <laughs> and I'm curious. How many of us have actually had that experience mm -hmm. to have a close encounter with our own kind? And mm -hmm. 
for us to even assume hmm. that we would be ready to, to accept the wisdom and love and care from any outside source other than that was which was in this biosphere at this very moment mm. would be an absurd idea if we weren't willing to look past simple things that keep us differentiating mm. ourselves from each other mm. right well, you, you look at adding three new codes of, of a of a DNA strand or something like that or shiny skin and then there, there, there'd be mass mayhem. And there was a, um, a conversation that I remember of um, not stepping into these types of conversations with fear. Mm -hmm. Because if you could imagine you're a parent and you come down the stairs and your child sees you and screams mm. bloody murder and they're terrified and you're their parent you have so much love for them but every time you took a step closer the child would scream in terror and fear mm. you would slowly back up the stairs because you love that child so much and you would not come back down from the stairs because you did not want to terrify your child mm until they were ready to see you as for who you really were. And I really feel that um, we might be in an experience like that where we have to be ready enough hmm. to um, experience first encounters of our own kind as well as uh, first encounters of anything else that could be possible. Well, and, and you know, kind of connecting back to our early conversation, uh, we're not really ready to receive the wisdom of our own elders on the planet, much less uh, uh, intelligence from off the planet. And so <clears throat> I think certainly the, the biggest step that we could say towards being prepared for, uh, 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 you know, an, a, a, an encounter like that would be, well, we have to be willing to be able to be in dialogue uh, with people we don't agree with, with people that different, have a different worldview. Talk about a different worldview, try a different biology. And you might even begin to consider um, you know, we we play around with time an awful lot at the mm -hmm. Generative Futures Initiative, and and what if um, what if an alien or an extraterrestrial intelligence uh, experienced hundreds of years like we experienced minutes? We would be literally moving too fast to even be able to speak with them, and that wouldn't be a problem of lack of wanting to communicate. It's just our time time frames may not match up. Our time, our time, the way that we experience time might not match up. And there's a there's some some great kind of very far out uh, uh, cosmological conversations around time and the way we experience time mm -hmm. may be a very very localized phenomena. And yeah. so, you know, the good we I think is 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 you know when we start looking into the future, uh, we obviously are, are exploring things like humans in space, um, but we we. It's very, it gets very, very, very interesting very quickly when you begin to imagine that the way that we experience space and time may actually be unique to human existence. And if it is unique to human existence, it may not translate to any other kind of intelligent life type existences. Mm -hmm. um, that's not good nor bad. Uh, it's just the, to broaden the, the scope of the dialogue of... Um, of what we might consider our place to be in the universe. A very unique one, a very beautiful one, and one right now 
that needs to be getting into action to get its own house in order. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the sooner that we can identify, uh, a friend of ours today was saying, uh, we the planet. If we can identify as we the planet, then maybe we could be we the universe. And maybe when differentiating viewpoints or conversations came up, we allowed ourselves the interplanetary dimension experience of being an honored guest into another person's worldview hmm. and begin to transcend and traverse worlds and universes right where we are and allow the intelligence of each one of those worlds and each one of those universes to fully integrate into ourselves and then come to an intelligent synthesis of the combined information that creates a new thought for the world, which is actually what's needed right now. Mm. New thinking, new world, new future. New you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a new reality. So uh, I, I think that's about it for our time right now. Uh, I'm Michael Sean Conaway. And I'm Rachel Morrison. And you have been watching the Boldly Now show. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you soon again. <laughs> the Boldly Now show, igniting the world of burning desire, big ideas, and bold action. Be sure to download Boldly You in the App Store, Google Play, or online at bold.ly forward slash Y-O-U. Boldly You is an app and learning platform igniting your burning desire, big ideas, and bold action, generating a future for a thriving humanity.